catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. If you were with us just a few minutes ago, we're not sure who's in charge here. Is it Chief Saholic? Is it Carl Cheffers? Is it who's even calling plays here? Is it Matt Nagy? Is it Brad Childress? Is it Andy Reid? Who knows what's going on here? There's arguing on the sideline, but I'm actually good now. I'm here with Sterling Holmes. It's my first week back since our live stream. I want to talk about it, but first, Sterling, just how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Doing better than Carl Sheffers, who, again, he tried taking this over, but we wouldn't let him. He tried to have the Houston Texans win. And the Chiefs said, no, 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 we're not going to let you. Carl Sheffers, 0 for 3 on the season. Good yeah. try, pal. Take that, Carl January 6 Sheffers. Take that. That's what I think of Carl Sheffers. Anyway, I, I just made that real political, but I hate him. I don't even you – know, what has happened here? Just insurrection. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sterling, it's good to see you again. I, uh, I I want to like we're gonna give a shout out to our to our sponsors at KC Beer, but I kind of want to like talk about that myself just a minute because like last week I wasn't able to be on Sterling, myself, Patrick, Matt Verderan. We all get together in Kansas City for a raucous afternoon and evening at Tanner's uh, with our friends at KC Beer. It was just an awesome weekend. We all got to hang out. We all got to meet each other. We all got to work on a secret beer project. Um, it was all great. And then I got sick. I got sick on the flight home, my friends. I've been laid out with some version of mono slash COVID slash RSV slash PDQ slash VCR. I don't know what I have. All I know is I'm watching way more like Law and Order episodes than a man should ever watch. Uh, and coughing my lungs up. So, Sterling, what I hated was I wasn't able to be here with you in the moment to debrief our trip and just say it was awesome to see you. And not only awesome to see you, awesome to see our sponsors at Casey Beer and see the whole thing of what they do. And awesome to see, like, all of our readers and listeners. Sterling, I'm sure you said all this last week. I was laid up, whatever. But I just needed a minute just to say, like, hey, anyone out there who is hanging out with us in any capacity at all, that moment for me, just being able to put some faces with some names and being able to, to it, it just made me so thankful. It made me so thankful that anyone remotely cares about who we are and what we do. And more than anything else, it makes me love the camaraderie 
the community and, and just being a part of chief's kingdom is just, it's a real gift. It's a real gift to meet these great people root for the same team together. Yeah. I love it. So I'm sure Sterling has said all this already. Sterling, I'll stop talking so you can say something on this podcast, but I just want to say a big thank you and, and for the welcome for the, for the words for anyone coming out to Tanner's and really anyone who's hanging out with us, even now, uh, we love you and we just appreciate it. Uh, anyway, Sterling, I'm sure you're supposed to say something here. Take it. Something. There it is. No, no, honestly, it was so nice, Matt. It was great seeing you. I love the fact that we could actually sing Skid Row together in person. I really hope that the cameras uh, behind the scenes got that because Matt and I were belting out some Skid Row. It was a great time. I'm still rolling. See, see, Matt Connor got sick because he didn't have this potion, which is old fashioned right now, or Casey Beer. I drank the most, I think, out of our four four person group. Who's the guy that didn't get sick? Just saying, Casey Bierko, they've been brewing their beer with the German, or sorry, the Bavarian purity law of 1516. That beer law uses four ingredients. If you were there and you were able to try Casey beer, you know how good it is. Everyone that tried it was telling us how much they enjoyed it. We got to try a whole bunch of special Casey Bierko uh, beers as well. Honestly, Casey Bierko is just phenomenal, phenomenal beer. Give it as a gift this Christmas, give it as a gift, this Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate this holiday season, give it as a gift because it is that good. Give it to a gift for yourself. Come on. Everyone needs some self-love here, here and there. Casey Bierko dare to beer different. I love it. I love it. Sterling, we didn't get a chance to, to kind of talk through the event itself. How was that weekend for you? How'd you leave Tanner's feeling about like the podcast, what's what's growing here, what's developing. It was just incredible. By the way, I left in the uh, the co-founder's car. Yeah, that was my Uber. That was that was a nice little touch there. Um, no, it was great just seeing everyone. The fact that we were able to also do the live show for everyone who couldn't attend, for the folks that couldn't be there, able to stream on on YouTube. Um, it was outstanding. And you're right, Justin Hayes. German purity laws. It's Bavarian beer purity laws of fifteen sixteen. Bavarian beer uh, purity laws. But yeah, it, it was such a great experience doing that. And I hope we get to do it again, hopefully for the playoffs. Yeah. Well, folks, there's a lot that we want to get into here. Um, and really the theme of this episode that Sterling and I wanted to get to was we have three games left for the Chiefs in the 2022 season, at least in the regular season. One, first of all, I think that's wild because it seems like we wait for so long in the off season. Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for real football. Like, I can't wait for real football. And then now here we are in week 16 already with three games left to go before the postseason. It goes so fast. And like here, in, we're in the middle of the stretch run. The Chiefs are 11 and three um, with the Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders left. A real good chance to go 14 and three. And at the same time, when we talk about a team that's 14 and three, we're also often talking about the Chiefs in disappointing terms lately, playing too close to their opponents, playing down to them, whatever. Um, what I wanted to do with you, Sterling, today and, and with our readers and listeners uh, and viewers is to say, it, like, it, let, like, let's audit the Chiefs here. Like, let's look at the Chiefs in the stretch run and ask some tough questions. How good are they? How bad are the bad things? How fixable are the mistakes? 
How seriously should we take them? And I want to start there overall to begin with, because it, like it's not the Chiefs ver- like in a vacuum. It's the Chiefs within the AFC. So, Sterling, I'd love, I'd love to dive into the AFC with you. As the playoff picture stands right now, let me just go over this. If the season were over right now, here's where we'd be at. The Buffalo Bills would have a first-round bye and the number one seed. Then we'd have the Chiefs at number two, the Cincinnati Bengals as the third seed, and the Tennessee Titans as the four seed because they would win the division, and division winners automatically get a home field advantage for the first round. Then we'd have the Baltimore Ravens, the Chargers, the Miami Dolphins squeak in at number seven. And if you're wondering who's still lingering, there's a five-way race there. And, of course, there's tiebreakers with head-to-head competition and whatever. But the Patriots, the Jets, the Jags, red hot, by the way, Raiders, somehow, Browns, and Steelers. That's actually six teams there. So when you look at that order and that grouping of teams, do you like the Chiefs better than all those? Do you think some of them are more serious contenders than the Chiefs at this point? What are your thoughts on the AFC as laid out? It, it's Bills, Chiefs, um, Bengals. It's those three and then about everyone else. Uh, I, I'm not super super concerned about the Ravens, the Chargers, uh, the Miami Dolphins, uh, the Titans. It really comes down to, in my opinion, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, steep drop-off than everyone else. Uh, just going back to what this season has done so far, the Chiefs are 11-3. and three. They've already beaten Vegas's expectations, which was over under 10 and a half. Yeah. So based on what Vegas thought, the Chiefs have already won more games than they expected. But it still feels like at times the Chiefs have underperformed. The two biggest games of the season, they've lost. Bills and Bengals. They've played two very poor games recently against the Broncos and the Houston Texans. The defense has been on a fairly steep downturn we all thought these young guys are uh, they were going to keep gelling and growing together where they gelled early and I don't know if it's because the rest of the NFL now has tape on Trent McDuffie Joshua Williams these young guys and that all of a sudden is slowing them down but the secondary has been a problem the linebacking core has been a problem do you want a smart lock a 2k cam and doorbell all in one now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7, so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. 
If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's one of these situations where... The Chiefs are 11 and three, and you're still somehow a little disappointed over what could have been. And maybe because we do have higher expectations, this is not Brody Croyle at quarterback anymore, right? When you have Mahomes, you're expecting to go far into the playoffs. And obviously, the goal is the Super Bowl. We knew this was going to be a little different, a retooling year. But all things being considered, it has to be considered a success so far. Sure, sure. Do how do you think that they? First of all, let me let me ask let me ask a question about like winning games and and there, there's something to be said for. I, I mean, I even asked on Twitter how many of the Texans players would be on the Chiefs roster right now. I mean, if you had to merge rosters, it'd have to be two thirds Kansas City, one third Houston, right? I mean, I mean, Laramie Tunsil, Damian Pierce, Brandon Cooks. Sure, sure. I mean, we could go over some, but I mean, I mean, in general, not just starters, but let's say 53, I'm assuming 15 to 20 would be Texans and 30 would be Chiefs, like 30 to 35 would be Chiefs players. I mean, like the difference in talent is is huge. And yet they barely won on Sunday. Same thing with the Broncos the week before, whatever. And yet there's a part of me that also thinks, man, everyone's gearing up for the Chiefs every week. Everyone's giving their best effort. Every one of these guys are elite professional athletes. Like there's no, there's no laughable talent on the field, no matter what we want to say there. Like, like, does it really matter if the chiefs win by one over the Texans or 20 against the Niners? Um, Like if they end up 14 and three, do we all need to shut up about like everything else and just go, of course they're elite 14 wins. What? Like, forget every other stat or do we look at turnover differential and go, yeah, you can't do that in the post. Like we keep pointing at regular season wins and saying, but you can't do that in the future, but they're not in the future. They're in the now. And I wonder like, how much do you pay attention to that? And how much do you not project or how, or do you think we, we should project and point to them now and go, yeah, because we know they can't do that later on. I think it's a little bit of both, which is the softest cop-out answer ever. So I'm going to go fully admit that that was, that was soft. I, I think the Chiefs, obviously, in the regular season, your goal is just to rack up wins. 
That's what matters. We can talk about how poorly they played against Denver and how poorly they played against Houston. I know Patrick Allen called that Houston game a disaster. I go, it can't be a disaster. They won. They won that game. They played poorly, but they came away with the victory. Playoffs are so much different. It's just not even the same animal. I don't know if they're going through the motions. We saw a lot of of time with the uh, New England Patriots dynasty, right? How, how many games did they lose just randomly to teams? You're like, how the hell did they lose to this team? And then yeah. you would automatically say, well, is Tom Brady done this, that, and the other? And then it was like, no, they're not. They're fine. We might see some of that in the playoffs. But the concerning part to me is twofold. The defense does not look like they're trending upwards or trending downwards. And then two, their turnovers. I keep hearing fans say, well, if Travis Kelsey didn't fumble, they win that game. Well, if... Juju and Isaiah Pacheco doesn't fumble. That's not a close game. They did. They've had this turnover issue all season long. This is who they are. You can't just keep saying, well, if they didn't do that, every team can say that. If Justin Herbert didn't throw a pick six, what happens? So I think it's unfair to always point to one or two turnovers and say, well, this didn't happen. The Chiefs would would have crushed that team because you know why? They did happen. They've done it all season long. And I do think it's a major, major issue. Um, let's, let's bring in a, a couple questions from the comments because some people are asking sort of the same thing. And, and I know what I think about this, but I wonder about you, uh, Mr. Swamp asks, are Andy at all, uh, courting the favor of regular season pundits? Or are they trying to build a team that will perform properly in the postseason? Um, and in other words, a couple people here, uh, Oregon fishing says, guys, relax. Andy's master plan of lulling the league and experts into a false sense of security. Do you think there is in some way, even, even slightly to seriously, a regular season version of the chiefs and a postseason version yet to be unveiled? I think it, I think offensively to an extent, yes, but also the offense was not the major issue against Houston. Mahomes had maybe his best game of the year. He was incredible. The concerns I have are defensively, special teams, and then it comes down to turnovers, which not all of that's on Mahomes. Some of that's just on fumbles from running backs. Isaiah Pacheco has four fumbles. He's lost two. Uh, you know, Judas Schuster has a couple. Travis Kelsey had a big one. And I think Pimp Daddy, great name, by the way. No, the Chiefs are not sandbagging. Yeah, the Chiefs, you try to win every single game. Like, it's not like, let's hold a whole bunch back for the playoffs. Maybe you hold back a special play, the, the Philly special, right? But you're still out here trying to win games against teams, even bad teams, because those bad teams, those guys aren't necessarily trying to even, they're not trying to make it to the playoffs, but they're trying to keep their job. Those guys on Houston, some of them are, this is their only opportunity to showcase what they can do to stay in the NFL. They're not playing necessarily for wins and losses. They're playing for themselves too. They have to showcase what they can do to get a, another year, another two years in the NFL. That's another ball game as well. So even if teams are bad, they still have something to play for. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, going back to the AFC picture, you said Bills, Bengals, that's it. In the current scenario, the Chiefs would not get the first round by. They would host, however, Tyreek Hill and the Miami Dolphins in the first round. You made it sound like, I don't care if it's Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I don't care if it's, Tyreek and the Dolphins. I don't care if it's whoever that squeaks in there. Um, 
no one frightens me except for those two teams. So for you, the Chiefs are at the very least easily punching their way to the divisional round, right? I, I would think so. I mean, any given Sunday, right? The Chiefs lost to the Colts. Sure. They they, they sure. played it close against the Texans. I don't think the Miami Dolphins are a great team. We've seen them recently crumble. The defense of Miami's just it's just brutal, man. It, it's absolutely horrendous. Uh, offensively, they have obviously Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and obviously it's going to be a, a lot made between Tyreek Hill and the Kansas City Chiefs. But Tua Tagovailoa, as solid as he's been this year, he reminds me of a left-handed Jimmy Garoppolo to an extent. A guy that you have to surround him with a obscene amount of talent for him to be very successful. Miami is a very good team, but they're not as talented as that 49ers team. The offensive line's not quite there. Um, they don't have the defense. Miami's a good team, but they're just not quite in that territory of Kansas City, Cincinnati, uh, Buffalo. They're not there for me. I've been surprised that their pass rush hasn't been more of a – I mean, you're talking about Chubb, Jalen Phillips, Melvin Ingram, Ogba, although he's been injured – uh, I mean, they have Christian Wilkins. They've got an incredible – on paper, they've got an incredible defensive line. They should be killing in the trenches, which should make everything easier for the rest of the defense, which also has some star power. But they've lost three in a row. They may not even make the postseason, which would then make a lot of people go, hey, what is this about Mike McDaniel and the spending spree? Maybe everything's not as sexy as it was made out to be after the first month of the year um, or so. Um yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think Buffalo and Cincinnati present the problems. And I think that I think that Chiefs Kingdom needs to be honest about that. Right. That, like, I, I don't know how people feel about it, but I but a lot of times from what I read, it seems like they think, oh, if we meet them the next time, it'll be no big deal. And I'm thinking, well, they just both won. Cincinnati's won three times in the last calendar year. You know, like sometimes I'll go to our site predictions, you know, and, and we're all Chiefs fans and we're all writing about the Chiefs. And so we'll say, like, here's Arrowhead Addicts predictions for Sunday. And it's like 15 people who all say 15 Chiefs are going to win kind of things. And in a week like that, I think we'd probably get like five people to say the Bengals and another 10 for the Chiefs. And it's like, man, it sometimes, and I can do this myself, I can have a hard time adjusting to what the evidence is trying to tell me would you pick the Chiefs versus the Bengals would you pick the Chiefs versus the Bills in a postseason matchup if it were today today I would probably have them over Buffalo okay. Buffalo at times has made more mistakes than any other team in the NFL they're so reliant on Josh Allen and you can almost to an extent say the same has been true uh, fairly recently for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, but at least the Chiefs have started to get more involved in these short passes to Jarek McKinnon. They've started to use Isaiah Pacheco more on the ground. They're taking some of the workload off of Mahomes. Josh Allen right now looks injured, and they're still using him as a uh, de facto RB1 and QB1. The usage rate is through the roof. Um, I think the Chiefs, personally, right now, we, would be a better team than Buffalo since he's on a, is on a heater. Um yeah. They've had the Kansas City Chiefs number. But again, I, I think it's going to be different now than in the playoffs. This Chiefs defense, again, that's my main concern. I think offensively, the Chiefs are going to be okay. I truly do. Kadarius Toney going to be back at least off a of snap count more soon. 
McCole Hardman, I think, is actually being missed more than a lot of Chiefs fans want to give credit for. Uh, they finally found a good running back duo in Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. Mahomes is really playing some of his best football, right? I mean, Mahomes this entire season has just been outstanding. Offensive line over the past, what, five weeks now has been improved. It's been improved. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's elite, but it's been improved. So offense I'm not worried about. But defensively, I am. Nick yeah. Bolton, Willie Gay Jr. have really struggled. You know me. I am a massive Nick Bolton supporter, massive Nick Bolton fan. He struggled a little bit recently. Willie Gay Jr., we're starting to see why Spags does not use him on third down situations. He looks lost out there. He just does. Even though he's more athletic and should be better in pass coverage than Nick Bolton, right? He's just not because he's he's lost. So that's an issue for me. Defensive line, Karloft is coming into his own. Nice to see. Dunlap, Frank Clark having better than I think we would have expected seasons. Chris Jones, obviously, is playing defensive player of the year or type of player this season. But somehow the defensive line still struggled against top-end competition. The secondary, though, is where I'm getting worried. Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed, they've not looked very good in, in, um, in unison. That's where my main concern lies. Hmm. folks we're um one we appreciate you listening if you're watching on youtube uh hit that thumbs up button give us a, a like there uh leave some thoughts in the comments that's all helpful for us in the in the mysterious algorithms that run our lives uh it's all helpful obviously also if you're listening on your favorite podcast app or player sure to give us a review there ask us a question there we'll we'll read on the air uh again all that's helpful for us um, want to, uh, I want to get into a little bit what you were just talking about. You were talking about, um, issues. I want to play a little game with you, Sterling. It's called serious issue or not. I, I thought out this name for a very long time, by the way, I just spent, I spent copious amounts of time naming this game serious issue or not. Um, sometimes we can have problems and we blow them up. Like basically anything my wife complains about over. <laughs> okay. Um, however, um, my father-in-law always watches this, by the way. So, so that's going to be real funny when he hit, when he hears that one. Um, however, some issues are real, and if they present themselves in the postseason, we're going to point to that all winter and spring long and go, "That's what happened." So, since we're auditing the Chiefs right now, what I want to do is uh, is talk through this serious issue or not the turnover differential, and. This may sound like obvious, but let me say this. You've said you said the Chiefs have committed a turnover in every game but two. And I would say the Chiefs have won every game but three. So in a way, hey, the Chiefs can turn the ball over and there's enough margin there, they're still gonna win. Is that the case in the postseason? Serious issue or not? Serious issue because those two losses, who have they come against? Bill, Bills and Bengals. You can't yeah. have turnovers against good teams. You can turn the ball over against Denver and come away with a victory. You can turn the ball over against Houston and come away with a victory. Uh, even some of the average teams, just because of how good this Chiefs offense is. But against good teams, you cannot turn the ball over. Uh, yeah, I, I, Mr. Shrump, Shrump, I don't know how to say his name. Mr. Swump, thank you. But science, teams win more who turn it over less. It's easy. But it's true. Give your, chance, your team the most possessions. It's the best chance of winning. Um, I, I do think it's an issue in on both sides. Uh, they're somewhat, I don't want to say careless with the ball, 
but at times you're sitting here and they're either Mahomes making a, a bad throw once a game. It's tough to blame the guy because he's probably going to win MVP, but once a game he makes a throw that makes you scratch his, scratch his head. Um, oh. Isaiah Pacheco with four fumbles, right? That's a pretty big deal. Um, and then defensively, they're not giving up quite as many big plays, deep balls over the top, as compared to last season. They're also not turning the ball over. Like Frank Clark made a great play, but how many times do they do what happened to Travis Kelsey? Hold a guy up, punch the ball out. We don't see that from this Chiefs team. How often have we seen a cornerback come up with an interception? I mean, Tyron Matthew and Dan Sorensen had a lot of turnovers forced last season. Sure, they got beat a lot, but they also forced a lot of turnovers. Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill, they're not forcing anything. That's a major issue too. Yeah, you're right. You're right there. Um, let me ask. Uh, let me ask this one. Some people will complain about the conservative uh, or the offensive play calling of Andy and his inability to like go after the run in in balance with the pass. Is that a problem? Or when you have the world's best quarterback as your passer, is that overblown? Serious mm-hmm. issue or not? I think it's a little overblown, but also to an extent, if they're gashing a team on the ground, run the damn ball. They were doing it against Cincinnati multiple times. You're getting six yards of carry. Why? Do the easy thing. It's not sexy. I get it. It's not sexy running the football for six yards of carry when you could have Mahomes drop back and try and throw a 45-yard bomb. But run it. Just do it. It's working. This offensive line, by the way, is built more for for run blocking than pass blocking too. Like Orlando Brown Jr. specifically. That's why he looked better on the Ravens than he does here in Kansas City. But if it's working, run the damn ball. And this is coming from me, a dude who thinks running backs to an extent don't matter, who's very analytical, who understands the value of passing over running. But when it's working, run the damn ball. (laughs) You mentioned tackles here. Do the Chiefs have the bookends to win the Super Bowl? Yes. Yes, they do. I think Orlando Brown Jr. is not elite, obviously. He's not very good. But I would say he's above average to average. You can win a Super Bowl with Orlando Brown Jr. as your left tackle. He's going to give up a ton of pressures because you know why? This Chiefs team drops back more than any team in the NFL. So there's more opportunities. Look at the actual rate that he gets beat. It's not number one, is it? I don't know what the actual number is. I don't have it in front of me. But the point is, he's going to give a lot of pressures just based on the uh, magnitude of times the, the Chiefs drop back to pass. They can win with Orlando Brown Jr. They can win with Andrew Wiley at right tackle. You're not going to have an all-pro at every single position. Um, I think Orlando Brown Jr. has been a little better recently. So I want to give him a little credit there because I've been very harsh on him all season long. Sure. Andrew Wiley, I do think, is a little bit of an issue. Uh, when they were chipping with either Noah Gray and Jody Fordson, he looked a lot better. Uh, I hope that continues when they do those, to- those two tight end sets. But also, again, the offense has been rolling. They've not been a major issue. So I do think they can win with Wiley and OBJ as their tackles. What do you think? Um, I'm probably a little more down on, uh, on the bookends here. I think, you know, I think playoff teams are well coached, know how to create the mismatches are going to maximize those in the postseason. 
I've been banging the drum for Lucas Niang to get some sort of playing time here late in the year so that you can figure out what you potentially have. If he's ready, then is he starting ready? Are we going to leave him as just a swing tackle? What happened to that um, potential that was once there? You drafted him in the third round because you envisioned him as your starter on the right side. That's why you did it. So now if he's healthy, then give him a chance to do that. I don't understand why we're still throwing Wiley out there, especially when the competition down the stretch here is lesser than, and you've got a real opportunity before the postseason uh, begins that way. Uh, he had one snap on Sunday. Niang had one snap on Sunday. I'll say this, Jody Forson out with an injury. It, um, Andy Reid said today that it's possible that Blake Bell gets back into the, the lineup like around this injury or, or, I mean, Hardman also needs a roster spot too to come back. So, so the chiefs have some working out to do. However, if you add Blake bell back on this roster for the postseason, I like what that does to supplement issues on at the tackle positions. Like I feel better about tackles with Blake bell on the roster than I do without Blake bell on the roster. Is, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. That that comes down to a number crunch. You keeping four tight ends on the roster is Noah Gray or Jody Fortson, one of the guys left off. Obviously, they don't use those guys a ton, but given opportunity, uh, both guys have looked very solid, especially like Jody Fortson in the red zone. Noah Gray is coming into his own in recent weeks. I think Noah Gray and Jody Fortson, while they're not elite blockers at tight end, uh, I think they both improved. Uh, Noah Gray especially more than I thought he would, uh, which is nice to see. Um, I don't know if Blake Bell really has a phenomenal role on this team or a stranglehold on the blocking tight end. Uh, again, the offense, in my opinion, has been fine without him. Uh, again, I, I think that we have focused so much on Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, some of it's obviously very, very fair criticism. They've not been good. Uh, at least Andrew Wiley's not been good. Uh, but I don't think they've been quite as bad as the majority of folks would believe. They're not Tristan Wirfs. No, it's not. But they're also not the worst in the NFL. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I keep seeing this in here, Mr. Schwump. Uh, is Andy Reid a problem? Andy Reid is not a problem in my mind. I, I think sometimes he does things that are head-scratching, uh, but he knows more than I do. Full transparency. I will criticize him after the fact because that's what we're, we're paid to do that. But no, he knows more than I will. He will forget more than I will ever know. Like Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame head coach. Yes. Uh, does he sometimes not run the football as much as I would uh, assume he would? Yeah, you're correct. Does he also have play calls uh, that I could never even dream of coming up with that give the Chiefs first downs? Yes. Or how about Chad Henney throwing that little out route to Tyreek Hill on fourth and one? I would never dream of doing that. That's stones. I mean, Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame head coach. Is he having a, in his probably illustrious career under the uh, underperforming head coaching season. Sure. I, I could believe that, but I think some of it comes down to spags uh, has struggled a lot, especially recently. I think Dave Tobe has not had his best season. I think to me, it's a multitude of issues and obviously Andy Reid is at the helm. So everything falls onto him, but I do think there's no other head coach uh, that the chiefs could even come close to getting. That would be close to what Andy Reid does. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I I mean I, the the product speaks for itself. I, I I don't know what more to say than, how many wins do you need, in a season or in a 
10 year span to give Andy Reid the credit that he deserves. I, I, I mean, I, they were 11 and three and already beat Vegas's odds. Yeah. If you I, got I, canned for that. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's all I, I mean, I get that we want to nitpick based on the level that they're on, but they're on the level that they are. The NFL is going to have some parody. You're going to lose some games. This is a team with a wide open Super Bowl window. There's no reason that, not to believe that they can't win it in any given year that Reed is on the sideline and that Mahomes is under center. Uh, one more for you, and then we'll switch here. But serious issue or not, Sterling, um, the Chiefs cannot generate a pass rush without blitzing. Is this a serious issue, or are you like, I don't care where it comes from, they're going to be fine? I think it's a serious issue, and as much as I've I've ripped on Spags a decent amount this season, but not as much I think as the average fan. So I'm I'm a little bit in the uh, the gray area here. Part of the reason why Spags has not looked as good as he has in previous stops is because you are not getting a pass rush with four. But you could say that about any team. If you get a pass rush with with, with four, it helps everyone else. Everyone else, that helps. Uh, when you have to send Legereus Sneed, you have to send someone else. Of course, these rookie cornerbacks might get picked on. Uh, the safety play is not helped. But I do think what it comes down to is we keep saying Chris Jones looks like defensive player of the year, or at least a candidate for that. We've said Frank Clark's had a good season for him. We've said Carlos Dunlap's been uh, effective in his spurts. We've said George Carlotta's is coming into his own. But then why have we not seen it come together for a full game in a game that matters? That's what it comes down to is you can put up numbers against bad teams. Who cares? Put up numbers against the Bills. Put up numbers against the Bengals. Put up numbers in the playoffs. That's when it really matters. I, I, I do get a little frustrated sometimes with the, you know, the Chiefs at one point were top five in sacks, but you're sitting here going, yeah, but they're not against good teams. That's when it needs to happen. Again, the Chiefs are fine as far as uh, the, the overall outlook, but I do think not getting a pass rush with four is a major issue. What do you think? Um, in a way, I don't mind, like not, not knowing like where it's coming from. I think Snead is such a great weapon. I, I like the way that Spags mixes it up. I would love to see more front four pressure. Um, but I think Jones gets enough as it is. I think Clark is a sleeper and, and gives more than, than we think. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see in the postseason, like what, what maybe guys have reserved. The, the depth is there. They should be getting it. Dana, Dunlap, Clark, Karloftis, Jones. Uh, I like Brandon Williams inside too. So, I, I yeah, I, I, I think it's there. Um, I hate seeing Turk Wharton on, you know, on injured reserve, but, but um, you know, there, there still should be enough there. Um, well, let me ask you this. Let's go, let's go into something. Dustin versus Tommy. It sounds like a Motley Crue rockumentary, but it's not. We're talking about punting, holding issues. Uh, laces out, laces in. What's going on? Is this a big deal? I, I'm a little surprised that Dustin Cole quits coming out of the blue going, uh, let me cause some, like, like Dustin knows what his tweets are going to do. But what do you make of this whole thing? I mean, who's the bad guy? Is there a bad guy? Should Dustin shut up? Is What's going on? Uh, 
I don't think there's a bad guy. I think they're all on the same team. Dustin Colquitt, obviously, if he's not going to go up in the Chiefs ring of honor because he was a punter, he was one of the best players for the Chiefs for, what, five years when they were horrendous. I love Dustin Colquitt. Um, He knows what he's talking about. Dustin Colquitt has done this for a long, long time. He took pride in being the holder. He took pride in it. I don't think he's doing this out of any sort of malice. I don't think he's like, oh, I hate Tommy Townsend. I think Justin Colquitt is an actual Chiefs fan who wants the Chiefs to succeed. I hope he gets Ring of Honor too. Angry, drunken German first and foremost. I hope he gets Ring of Honor, Dustin Colquitt. I just don't know if they'll put a punter up there. If they do, he definitely deserves it. But I think he actually is on to something. They talk all the time about the laces and how it's actually softer than it does create issues. Um, and if you look at the issues from Harrison Butker, they pretty much started when Tommy Townsend took over. I don't think this is some situation where Dustin Colquitt's trying to get his job back in Kansas City. I think he wants Kansas City to win. Uh, the fact that Tommy Townsend has not been more agreeable or more understanding to again the best chiefs punter in chiefs history that irritates me just a little bit just if you even have to say something just super basic like hey uh, i appreciate what you're saying uh we work on it every single week just even something basic like that i'd appreciate it but don't come against dustin colquitt colquitt has the best interest at heart i guess i get it um from from a different perspective though having any ex player throw shade on a current player on the team. I mean, it, I don't know. It, it's the way things are now social media. Uh, a lot of ex NFL players have commentary jobs officially. I mean, I, it, it's part of the fabric of, of watching sports now. So it's not just Dustin against Tommy. Like there's a lot of opinions being flown around the league on a lot of things. And a lot of guys are talking about where they used to play. So I guess we should get used to it. There's just a part of me that thinks I'd love for Dustin to call Tommy up and go, Hey, do you have a problem holding? I'll be right there. I mean, like that's what I'd love to see, but you know, who knows? Well, I mean, again, no one actually knows. What if he did? What if he never got a response? I'm sure. We'll never know. I'm not saying he did that. I'm not saying he did that. But I don't think Dustin Colquitt did this out of any sort of ill intent for Tommy Townsend. No. Tommy Townsend's a very good punter. He's grown. By the way, I didn't think Tommy Townsend was ever going to be a great NFL punter. The leg was there. But the uh, getting him inside the 20, his first season, was a major struggle. He's gotten a lot better. But he's yeah. not gotten better at holding. That's fair to point out. When yeah. the... Kicker and Harrison Butker, who was on a trajectory of being the second best kicker in the NFL. Um, what was his percentage? Like second best in NFL history over a certain amount of kicks. Like Butker's been incredible his entire career. Is this part of the injury? Is it the yips? Is it the hold? It's probably all of those things combined, but I don't think it's wrong for Colquitt to call it out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, I'll, I'll say this, and maybe this is being overly positive, but. Dustin Colquitt deserves a ton of credit for being the, I mean, he was like the chief's MVP maybe a couple of years there when things were like really South uh, and he was good for a long time. 
Tommy Townsend has gotten very good as a punter uh, in both strength and accuracy. And Butker deserves the benefit of the doubt through the current struggles because he's been a hell of a kicker. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a way to look at all this positively uh, in, in that some of these guys need the benefit of the doubt that they're still growing or maybe Butker's still getting healthy or whatnot. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. But it's been an interesting, at the very least, we can all say it's been a very interesting and oftentimes disappointing special teams season for the Chiefs in a spot where normally we're used to just seeing excellence and taking that for granted. Maybe that's the best way to sum that up. Uh, Sterling, one quick segment for you. Um, things we hate. Worse than Carl Cheffers. Um, now look, if it's um, I don't know, maybe is he is he the worst? Is he the worst thing ever? Is it possible for you to hate anything more than you do uh, that official? Uh, like I'd love to hear. Like, is there what's on that list of things you hate worse than Carl? Um, allegedly robbing a bank. And being a Chiefs super fan. Allegedly. 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 Uh, I'm gonna throw this out there. Bro country. I hate it. I hate <laughs> I hate I hate that Applebee's guy. I hate him. I talk about this all the time. But I hate other things like it. I hate Florida Georgia line. In fact, I refuse to even go. I fear I refuse to go on vacation south because I'd have to cross that line. And about that band so you know what i'm just not going i hate all of it country look if you're gonna have country it should either be like waylon or johnny or if you want something it should be chris stapleton other than that if those guys get their hair cut at the same place sterling holmes does and they're playing electric guitars together get off the stage i like your hair i just don't like it on them is what i'm trying to say sterling mm. well what uh anything else you hate with the uh uh, more than Carl Jeffers, or is this a short list? Uh, I mean, Carl Jeffers is definitely up there. Um, stubbing your toe, but I think I'd prefer to stub my toe than watch Carl Jeffers mm. ref a Chiefs game ever again. By the way, how is he allowed to ref Chiefs games? Seriously, I'm not even kidding because after what Travis Kelsey said about him, after the previous game in Arrowhead where the Chiefs fans almost made him cry. You'd think the NFL would have some sort of awareness saying, hey, for both parties' best interest, you shouldn't do this. I don't yeah. think he wants to ref Chiefs games anymore. He gets obliterated every single time because he's wrong. Like, look at the numbers. I don't actually have it directly in front of me, so I apologize. I know I should have this in front of me. But he's called so many more penalties against the Kansas City Chiefs than they average in a given season. It's stupid. It's crazy. I, I don't know if it's bias. I don't know if he's just that bad at his job. I don't think it's a fix. I don't think the NFL is fixed. I just think refs need to be full-time, and they need to just not suck. It's hard. I get it. It's not an easy gig refing an NFL game when dudes are 6'6", 300-plus pounds, running full speed, running four fours at you. I get it. But some of these calls are so blatant and obvious. Like, what the hell? Pull your head out of your ass, Carl Cheffers. Stop uh, I, this. In, in all seriousness, the average fan, the casual fan of a sport, should not know the name of an, of an official. Ever. 
An NBA fan should not know the name of the referee. A baseball fan should not know the name of the umpire. An NFL fan should not know the name of the official, right? Like, I mean, like if you get into hardcore stuff, if, you know, if you're, if you're a passionate fan, then you get into that zone. But the fact that so many people in Chiefs Kingdom know Carl Sheffer's name speaks for itself, signals that there's a major issue. I, 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 I don't know why he's allowed. I mean, you're totally right. So, I, and is it a name thing? Does he hate the fact that it's like Chiefs and Sheffer? Like, is there something there where he's like, it should be Carl Chiefers and it's not, and he's jealous? Is it, I mean, I don't even know. I don't, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's just so <laughs> dumb. Yeah. I, I, anyway, thank you also Elijah in the chat. Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez has entered the chat. I tweeted that. I go. The only guy who's loving this game is Angel Hernandez. Love I it. mean, seriously, it's Love just it. absurd. No, we're not done here. We're not done with with Carl Sheffer's slander. Dude is Charmin Ultrasoft. Like seriously, because the Chiefs fans made him cry, he has a vendetta against because Travis Kelsey called him out. Come on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. By the way, we had some great responses to what do you hate more than Carl Cheffers? Uh, Angry Drunken German had a great list. Paternity tests, frozen beer in a can, soggy bacon, amen, fast food that isn't Arby's. Um, I've, I've never heard anyone vie for Arby's with that sort of uh, commitment, but kudos to you, my friend. I, I, uh, I love it. Uh, also, by the way, Oracle of Delphi said Sterling does have great hair. I just wanted to add that back on because I didn't want you to think that I had like really taken a shot at you. Uh, yeah. In that way. Um, Sterling, let's get to some, let's get to some member questions here and then we'll, uh, um, and, and then we'll be done with the show. But um, how much uh, Rhino uh, among our Arrowhead addict members, which by the way, folks, if you want to be, a, if you want to be a member, uh, we have a discord channel that you can be a part of. You can be a part of, um, giveaways and member events that we have and just hanging out with us and, and uh, so much more arrowheadaddict.com slash memberships is where you can go to find out about it all. Um, anyway, in our member today, I was just asking, Hey, does anyone have any questions? And uh, Rhino asked, how much does Patrick Mahomes stock for MVP go up after Jalen hurts is going to miss a game? Seems pretty obvious to me that he's the main competitor. And if you can't play, like like durability is part of that equation, right? Yep. I, I've been a staunch supporter of Jalen Hurts. I, I think what he's done has been phenomenal. If you've listened to me, I think it's been a very close battle all season long with Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. I think it was 1A, 1B. And I know people want to make the case of, well, if the Eagles lose, doesn't that help Jalen Hurts? I say, no, it doesn't. You have to play in the game unless it's literally the last game of the season. That irritates me. You have to be. Well, they always say, what, the best uh, ability is, is availability? Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has done incredible things all season long. When we get to the end of the season, we're going to look back at the gaudy numbers. And also with Patrick, some of the things that help him, how many times has, has he had to carry this Chiefs team to a victory? Multiple times come to mind. How many times has Jalen Hurts had to drag his team to victory? Not as often. Not as often. I, yeah. I think if you take, you know, Jalen Hurts and replace him with, let's say, an average quarterback, they have 13 wins right now. Uh, they'd probably have, what, 10 or 11. You take Mahomes out of this Chiefs team, 
You replace with an average quarterback. How many wins do they have? Right. <laughs> a lot less. A lot less. Um, I think it has to be Patrick if Jalen Hurts is forced to miss games. I do think Jalen Hurts at at worst gets second because what he's done has been so impressive. I don't take lightly what he's done in the run game. The 13 touchdowns rushing, the what, over 700 yards on the ground. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been very, very impressive. And I hate when folks say, well, but he is Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. I hate it when people said that about, you know, Mahomes with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You can't take that away from a guy. But again, if Mahomes plays and Jalen Hurts misses time, this should not be hard. It has to be Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. W- one more question here. This one gets a little bit silly, but we were asked it all the same. Burt Evans asks, does pineapple belong on pizza? Oh, yeah. I have a special one. It's called the Honolulu Hot Lips TM. I knew you were going there. Pepperoni. Jalapeno, pineapple, those three ingredients. I don't know why I set up four. Those three ingredients. Honolulu Hot Lips, TM. Honolulu Hot Lips. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm not going to knock anything called Honolulu Hot Lips. Um, although, yeah, get your pineapple off my pizza. Um, would you try that though? Come on, be, be honest. Would, would you try, try that? It's I would sweet. Try it for the sweet and spicy factor. Look. I, I would try Chicago pizza, but I don't think it's pizza. It's casserole. Anything that big and that thick is a casserole. Yeah, I've been to a nurse, I've been to enough church potlucks to know <laughs> Chicago pizza is not pizza. It's casserole. So I would try it, but yeah, it's it's not I mean, I don't want it on my pizza, but I would try it just because I'm friends with you and I'm intrigued by the spicy sweet factor there. I just, who's the spicy and who's the sweet one in this podcast? That is up to the viewers. Mm. It's a good one. I think it's you're both. You're the yin and the yang, brother. <laughs> Folks, you've been listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. Uh, I am neither sweet nor spicy, but the good news is Sterling Holmes is the full spice rack. You can check him out at KC. Also check him out at ESPN Kansas City. Um, he just talks all day, every day, which is how we like him. So, uh, yeah, we will uh, see you next Tuesday with another episode. But stay tuned all this week. Tomorrow, uh, you're on with Adam Best tomorrow, right? Correct, yeah. Drilling's back with Adam Best tomorrow. Are you on Stocking the Box as well? I did it today already. Vernon was gone, so everyone tuned out. So basically didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> now, didn't that happen? Uh, and then later on this week, Patrick Allen, our friends, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam will be around. Also, um, I'm going to be around a little bit later this week with our friend Lee Vowell from 12th Man Rising. He's an expert over at our Seahawks blog, and we'll be talking kind of insider into the Chiefs coming matchup on Saturday. Um, folks, like we said earlier, we appreciate all of you um, who are a part of things, who, who want to hang out with us in any way. Uh, with the holiday season coming up, it makes all of us just think about what we appreciate. And that certainly means all of you. So I uh, hope everyone has a great holiday season. Rest up. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. And we'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.